Welcome to the Specialty Pharmacy Podcast, your prescription for specialty pharmacy success. Hello and welcome to the CSI Specialty Pharmacy Podcast. I'm Andy Madigan, CSI's Vice President of Client Engagement and your host for this episode. Today, we have the pleasure of visiting once again with Richard Williams. Richard is CSI's Senior Vice President of Pharmaceutical Innovation and Insights. Richard is a second generation pharmacist who's spent the last three decades in the pharmaceutical industry. Welcome back, Richard. Thank you, Andy. I'm glad to be here. So fall is a very busy time of year for industry meetings and conferences. And as 2019 comes to a close, I know you've been on the road quite a bit and attending several of these events during the last few months. Can you tell us a little bit about where you've been and what some of the lessons you've learned from the road have been? Yeah, Andy, uh, it has been a very busy fall. I have been to Philadelphia and Washington, D.C., Las Vegas. This is a busy time because it's an opportunity to put closure on the contracting that pharmaceutical companies do with managed care organizations as we prepare for next year with January 1 start dates. Everybody's finishing up uh, red lines and contracts in preparation for that, but also everybody's doing strategic planning and getting ready for the following year, and that includes the payers as well as integrated delivery networks and hospitals as they go, go through budgets and business plans. So this is a busy time of year for meetings. During the last uh, probably six to eight weeks, I have been uh, to a couple of CBI conferences on rare and orphan drugs as well as biosimilars, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later. I had the opportunity and privilege to participate in the Health Management Academy, which is kind of a think tank organization out of Washington, D.C. It's becoming one of my favorite meetings. And, of course, big conferences like PCMA, AMCP, and ASHP, which are all really designed for pharmacists, hospitals, manufacturers, and payers. Quite a full agenda there. So, from these meetings, can you tell me what some of the recurring themes were, the, the strategic priorities, if you will, as it relates to hospital pharmacies for 2020 and beyond? Well, let me, let me start by just saying this is, regardless of the audience, regardless of the meeting that you attend, this is a really exciting time for pharmacy with amazing new drugs being developed uh, that may offer cures to diseases like sickle cell anemia, hemophilia A, and other dream, other diseases that we only dreamed of treating and curing a few years ago. So uh, the energy level within all of these meetings is really very high, particularly from a pharmaceutical standpoint. At the same time, there's the downward pressure of how are we going to pay for this innovation and how are we going to manage it going forward. One of the things that I had the opportunity to participate in is the Health Management Academy, and I'm sure they'll be publishing the, the entire document, but there were three things that came out of that to really address your question about hospital pharmacies, and one is sustaining margins while transforming how pharmaceutical care is delivered. That was almost universally selected as one of the top priorities, not only by chief pharmacy officers, but by chief financial officers and chief executive officers, there's tremendous strain in our hospital systems to protect margin while improving and enhancing uh, how we deliver care. The second one that really surfaced was site of care or site of service is being heavily discussed, specifically home infusion and also how to manage 
rare and ultra rare products and some of those now cost upwards of $2 million. And so there was a lot of tactical discussion of when you receive a prescription and you have a patient that's going to require one of those medications, how do you handle it? That's a little bit different and unique than what pharmacies have done historically. And so there has to be a lot of thought that goes into that. And then finally is the need to invest in succession planning and leadership development. And I, this was probably the, one, of the, one of the most robust discussions. As we look at the profession, a lot of the leaders that are driving and running integrated delivery networks, large hospital pharmacies, they're, they're mature in their careers. And how do you invest in younger pharmacists that are going to take and, and lead the future? And so that was really an area that there was a significant amount of time spent on. So looking ahead to 2020, it's an election year. And obviously anybody who hasn't been living under a rock has been exposed to increased discourse and, and will be increasing, ever increasing discourse on various political themes that, that are taking place. How do, you, how do you believe pharmacy is viewing state and local policy decisions and, and even the federal situation? How are they handling this? You know, Andy, I happened to be in Washington a couple times uh, during the fall, and outside of the Beltway, uh, it appears that everything has come to a complete standstill. Uh, but inside the Beltway, inside Washington, that is not true at all. There is much work being done with regard to health policy, and this is one area where there is clear bipartisanship and alignment, not only between the House and the Senate, but also the White House. Let me give you a couple of examples. And first of all, you have to put it in the context of who pays for healthcare in the United States. Right. And today, the U.S. government accounts for almost 50% or $1.68 trillion of healthcare. I can't even fathom what a trillion dollars looks like. We, we throw it around pretty routinely, but it's a really, really big number. But when the government pays for half of the, uh, half of the cost of healthcare in the United States, they are going to have a major say in how it's going to be delivered and what the expectations are. So let me give you four or five areas that people really are looking at. First is rising list prices for pharmaceutical products. And the challenge there, Andy, is this. If you have a product that you know is going to have three or four or five indications in the future, and your first indication is so-so, it's modest improvement over what currently exists, the inability to raise prices going forward really handcuffs you that you have to price that product even though that it's, it's not significantly better with that first indication, you have to price it really high because you're not going to have the ability when you receive your third approved indication that could be a really robust and significant contribution to healthcare. You're not going to have the ability to raise your price. So you price it for the third indication, although the first indication may go, uh, that's not really that good. And the optics of that is not really positive. The second, it would be transparency. And this really gets into the relationships between managed care organizations and, and PBMs. And, of course, Safe Harbors, that initiative in Washington fell flat. I don't think it's over. I think after the election, depending on, on what uh, Congress looks like, that will resurface in 2020, 
towards the latter part of 2020. Uh, so stay tuned on that one. Uh, clearly misaligned incentives. That has got to be adjusted on how we reimburse, particularly Part B drugs. We incentivize physicians' offices to use a higher-priced drug because they get reimbursed on as a percent of that product with the ASP pricing methodology. We, we, right. We've got to transform that and incentivize doctors to use the low-cost drugs, and there's a lot of discussion around that. Of course, there's a lot of debate about the International Pricing Index, which has been proposed and everybody, because they're voters, I would say everybody is focused on patient out-of-pocket expenses. I would turn that to say everybody is focused on voter out-of-pocket expenses. Yeah, that's and, a good point. Yeah, and we're in the middle of Star Wars innovation with the Flintstone payment system. The payment system just hasn't caught up with all the exciting innovation that's taking place. But those are four or five things that everybody's focused on. And I can tell you, there's a lot of work being done. And if you think Washington, your audience thinks Washington is at a standstill, it's not. All of these are moving forward very quickly. So technology plays a role in this, I would imagine. What are some of the themes that have emerged from the events that you've attended, some of the presentations you've seen? Well, there's really three buckets that I look at with regard to that, Andy. And, and the first one is the concept of telepharmacy. You know, telemedicine has evolved in the last four to five years with companies like Teladoc and others, and every major hospital is doing some type of telemedicine. Right. But there is an opportunity for pharmacy to get involved, and there are a lot of organizations that are starting to build out those capabilities to do medication therapy management and follow-up patient on patient care after discharge to, from the hospital. So telepharmacy is going to be an evolving area and uh, how we will better use technology going forward. The other big topic is is pharmacogenomics. Everybody has seen uh, 23andMe advertisements and there are a lot of discounts in the marketplace today, but who is going to own pharmacogenomics going forward? What we know about the human body through the human, human genome product, project, etc., really does give us an ability to tailor medication and therapies to an individual patient. A number of people has, have suggested pharmacy should own pharmacogenomics. And I personally agree with that. There's nobody better equipped to think about how to dose and the different therapies that should be considered for a patient. But it's also going to require some additional education because we're going to have to become somewhat uh, like a genetic doctor. And, of course, you've got other people who are involved with looking at the ethics behind this. Uh, but that's an area that I think pharmacy is going to really excel in the future. The final thing, and, and this one's uh, something that we all are involved with, is this concept of digital therapeutics, the so-called invisible data that is being generated on our Fitbits and our iWatches. Of course, right. the new iWatch 4 has the ability to check for arrhythmias. I heard at AMCP that there are more than 500 clinical apps under development. How will all these tools and data that they create be used to improve in, an individual's care? How will consumers know which ones are reliable and work and which ones they should really pay attention to? And there are organizations, and they're big organizations that uh, everybody in healthcare knows their name, that are creating entire departments whose sole responsibility is to evaluate this new technology and apps that are going to be coming to the market in the next year. 
And certainly with the fast pace of development of these new apps and new technologies, you know, unfortunately, you also have to consider the potential for either unintended uses or misuse, privacy issues, those sorts of things. And almost putting a throttle on some of the development or the release of some of this in, in trying to protect the interests of private individuals and release of, frankly, very private data out into the public domain. Well, certainly the headlines uh, over the last couple of months with healthcare companies working with IT companies have been at the forefront of the news. And we all need to be aware of that. And we're all conscious of the concern for privacy. But I got, you know, my personal experience is if somebody is able to prevent me from having a heart attack because they shared my data with a company, I'm going to be thankful and grateful that that occurred. Absolutely. You're right. There is this concern about privacy and who has access to data. But with artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, there are some amazing companies being developed that will be able to provide predictive analytics to help all of us stay healthier and live better lives. Excellent. So, yeah, as I said, you've been uh, on the road quite a bit uh, this last quarter, and that kind of brings us to a close for this episode. And uh, with that, I just want to say thank you, Richard, for sharing your insights with us. As usual, we look forward to having you join us again. I want to thank our listeners for tuning into the CSI Specialty Pharmacy Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening today, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast delivery platform. I also encourage you to visit our website, csigroup.net, and download your free copy of the 2019 State of Specialty Pharmacy Report. Again, that's csigroup.net forward slash survey. And we'll be working on the 2020 report very soon. So you can look for that in the coming months, first uh, part of 2020. You can also keep up with us on social media by following CSI Specialty Group on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. I should also mention CSI Specialty Group is a subsidiary of group purchasing organization Entelair. CSI expands Entelair's suite of solutions to healthcare providers, health systems, pharmacies, and pharmaceutical partners. Entelair is owned by Intermountain Healthcare, a leading healthcare system based in Salt Lake City, Utah. CSI supports our parent organization's vision of providing tailored, smart solutions to help deliver superior services at an affordable cost. You've been listening to the CSI Specialty Pharmacy Podcast. From all of us at CSI Specialty Group, please accept our sincere wishes for a wonderful holiday season. Until next time, good day. Thanks for listening to the Specialty Pharmacy Podcast. If there's anything we mentioned in today's show you missed, don't worry. We take the show notes for you at csigroup.net slash podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, please consider pressing the subscribe button on our podcast player so you never miss one of our future episodes. And if you haven't given us a rating or a review on iTunes yet, please find a spare minute and help us reach and educate even more of our specialty pharmacy peers. The Specialty Pharmacy Podcast is a production of CSI specialty group your go-to firm for all things specialty pharmacy thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time doctor's orders